You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode... Oh, we won't have a clue what's going on in Fab Facts. No change there. We're going to hijack a bullion shipment, whether we want to or not, in the randomizer. And we'll be getting nostalgic with theatre and telly actor Stephen Critchlow. That is all coming up in pod 138. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the Jerry Anderson podcast. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, thanks very much. Do you mind if I pull up a chair? Please do. Uh, not that Maybe one, no. That's, uh, that one oh. belongs to Chris oh. Dale. He's just popped oh, off from a minute. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, oh, it's yes. very comfortable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now, so seated next to me is oh. Richard James. Oh, yes. And seated opposite me is Jamie Anderson. And, uh, oh, just emerging uh, from the oh. water closet over there. Here he comes. Here he Chris comes. Dale. I think he was just washing his hands, to be fair. Oh, fair enough, yes. And yes. between the three of us, we are the hosts of the Jerry Anderson podcast, uh, of which this recording you're listening to right now is the 138th weekly edition. Oh, oh, we've gone off the Roman numerals now, have we? Well, I thought it was, I a, bit, it was a bit silly last week. So yeah, uh, A bit show-offy, wasn't it? It wasn't show sure because none of it was actual Latin. It was just stupid <laughs> nonsense. It wasn't even... Do you um, mean stupidus nonsensicus? Uh, it wasn't even... Um, Sorry. Pig, no. pig Latin. Is it pig Latin? Is that what it's called? Where you take the first letter and put the A at the end of it? Okay. Yeah, I like that. Do you know that. what? Yeah, I'm going to give you a, a preemptive fab fact here, which I wasn't planning on giving, but it's just reminded oh. me... Right. ...that one of my earliest kind of memories of the passing of knowledge or something silly from dad to me you know that sort of father-son in joke sharing thing was when he taught me what he called backslang which i think others call called pig latin mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yes yes you take the first letter if it's a consonant and put it at the end and put a at the end a y right uh, right you know is they is a uh e they eri j anderson a oddcast pay um, like that. Wow. And he okay. and he took great pleasure in teaching me that. And he and I would often just say stupid stuff to each other. Me falsely believing that mum had no idea what we were saying, but obviously she's a very smart lady. <laughs> yeah, and, saw straight um, through it. So yeah, yeah she, she knew all of it. But uh, yeah, it's not. <laughs> I haven't thought about that for years. Uh, oh, it was well. a, it's a very uh, warm and fuzzy memory for me. Well, I'm happy to help. Oh, say it That's should. 80 pounds, Ray please. Ames J. Yes. Otway oh. is a umming K up a on a e they. Harry J. Anderson A. Oddcast pay. No, that's all much too complicated. If you mean so what's, coming James, what's coming up with Jerry Anderson podcast, podcast <laughs> I'll let you know. Well, <laughs> over the next hour and a half or so, we will be taking, I like this phrase, I've heard it a lot recently, a deep dive cool. into the worlds of Jerry Anderson. We've got some news, of course, because there's always. Something new happening in the Jerry Anderson world, and I can't remember what I normally say, but there's normally kind of catchphrases there about you say yes because there's new stuff happening 
right now. Right now. There we are, yes. So that's kind of. Oh, you said this brand new Joey and stuff. You haven't said it for a while, I've forgotten. Sorry, do carry on, I'm interrupting. The irony is, I haven't said it in a while, but now is the time when I should be saying it most. (laughs) Because there really is brand new Jerry Anderson stuff happening right now. Anyway, Fab Facts will be with us uh, very shortly. Chris Dale, once he's made himself very comfortable in this chair and pressed the button so that little footrest springs out the bottom, will be bringing us his randomizer whereby he sits down in front of a random episode of a Jerry Anderson story and uh, gives us his thoughts and comments. We've got uh, an interview with uh, Stephen Critchlow, a uh, well-known theatre and TV actor that Jamie sat down with uh, a few weeks ago. And we've also got listeners' contributions. <laughs> oh, yes. They've been emailing us at podcast.jerryanderson.co.uk. They've been hashtagging us on Twitter, hashtag jerryandersonpodcast, and writing on our Facebook group as well. Did All I, of that to come. Did I see someone a while ago say they wanted us to reintroduce the... This is the voice of yes. the Podsterons. Yes, you did see that. That's right. I, yeah. I'll try and dig up the file ah, somewhere. Okay. I'm sure it's around. All right. It must be in an old yes. podcast somewhere. Anyway, yes, all of that. Yeah. Thank you for uh, mm-hmm. introducing it so succinctly. I got distracted by a text message. Uh, did you? Did you mention? Oh. Did you mention Abfe acts Faye? Oh, yeah, yes, yes, I did. I mean, just, don't you listen at all? Oh, sometimes I forget. Anyway, look, now is the oh. time for Fab Facts. Go on then. Now. Time for this week's Fab Facts. An extra bit of Fab Fact here. Yes. The very first thing that Dad said to me in, in backslang <laughs> was Anke Uye Ixpe Axlang Bay, which is can you speak backslang? And he used to he used to say it to me relentlessly until I got upset that I didn't know what he was saying. And that was when it was only when I was upset about it that he taught me. Oh, so he, he built up the anticipation, you see. Very dramatic yes. uh, man. Yeah. He would always do that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Gosh. that's not the actual fab facts. You, you, you are being blessed this week with bonus fab facts all over the place. Mm, but, I mean, you say blessed. All right, fine. You're getting them whether you like it or not. You're now, being burdened. <laughs> with, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, consider me Mr. Burdensome because you've got one more now. Right. I'm going to flick through a book of fab facts. Richard James is going to shout fab. I'll stop flicking and then I'll read you out a fab fact from that page. Are you ready to flick? I am ready to flick. And shout fab, I hope. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Fab! Mm. Ah. What? 1975. 1975. Space good... hoppers, choppers, <laughs> spangles and flares. Fantastic. Oh, Weirdly, is that, just me? that is uh, the title of... Uh, no, I'm, it's nothing to do with this bad biopsy. fact. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it could be yours, I suppose, but no. This is a Space 1999 fact. Short and sweet. Right, I think you might like yes. it. Good. As part of the media blitz to promote the launch of Space 1999 in 1975, yeah. stars Martin Landau and Barbara Bain spent a week co-hosting the Mike Douglas show. Now, I'm not familiar with the Mike Douglas show, but I'm told reliably that it was a daily chat show that was recorded in Philadelphia in the United States. Right, okay. Among that week's guests, which included Rick Wakeman and George Carlin, was two-time Olympic swimmer and uh, something of a sci-fi legend, Buster Crab. Buster Crab. Uh, Flash Gordon. Exactly, yes, amongst many other things. Yes. Starred in the Universal Pictures Flash Gordon and uh, yes. Buck Rogers series. He was Buck Rogers, that's right. Well, in the late 1930s, not the... Yes, um, yes, not, not Gil Gerard. Not the 80s ones. Yes. ones. Anyway, yeah. uh, now, uh, despite Bidi-bidi. being an interviewee, Buster mm. turned the tables on the Landau's because he had seen a recent episode of Space 1999. That episode right. being 
Force of Life. Okay. Now, he had a few questions having watched this. Namely, I'm sure he did. What on earth was this about? <laughs> what was the thing that had taken over the body of poor old Ian McShane? Why yes. was it there and what did it want? Mm. Now, faced with those questions, obviously it would be a great time for them to kind of lay the groundwork for how fascinating and philosophical the show was and how well written. Yes. But of course, in fact, Landau and Bain freely admitted that they didn't understand the story either, and so they couldn't answer <laughs> no. a single one no. of Buster's <laughs> questions. No, they just say the lines. They don't have to understand it. <laughs> well, you, you hope there's a bit never, of understanding. Never ask an actor. I hate it when people ask questions about things I, you know, story, script, what did that mean? I, I don't know. I just literally, I read my, you know, I learn my bits and I do it. I don't know. Richard, shouldn't your character have some understanding of what's going on, or at least an opinion? Yes. Well, you just act as if you've got an understanding, don't you? You needn't actually have an understanding. <laughs> this is the bit where you reveal you're actually not a Creon police officer, but we're in fact a human pretending to be one. Ah, oh, there's photographic evidence. Of <laughs> mm. you being a human being or... Uh, yes. Yes, yes I've seen it with a tuna sandwich, yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> anyway, so clearly Martin and Barbara were not that in-depth uh, in terms of their understanding and appreciation of Force of Life, which is uh, contains, I still maintain, one of the most terrifying images. Um, yeah. Oh. Oh, get that, will you? I- I'm just getting it now. Hang on. Might be my agent. Hello. I'm fine, thank you. I'm just recording the podcast of Richard, which means you're now on it. Yay. In fact, I- we'd just been praising you a little while ago, uh, saying mm-hmm. how clever you were, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't want anything. Don't worry, I'm not sucking up. I'll, I don't know what Richard wants. I'll find out. Anyway, look, I'll I'll ring you when I'm done. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, yes, that was hashtag mummy a. Of course it was. <laughs> um, who, of course, ended up being Brian Johnson's secretary, as we will remember from the mummy a interviews uh, at the end of Space 1999 series two. So there is a ah, natural segue there from this fab fact. Amazing. Into the interruptive phone call. Anyway, it really is just fab fact upon fab fact, isn't it? It really is today. So thank you, Mummy A, for your unscheduled interruption. I suppose all interruptions are unscheduled. And uh, <laughs> that brings us to the end of this week's... Interrupted fact! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that one. Fair enough. Yeah? All right. Oh, dear. It's all going here, isn't it? <laughs> what have you got for us, Richard? While I recover um, from that. Well, now, I did promise last week, didn't I, that I would read out some limericks because we asked the week before for people I don't know why we asked this to send in some Jerry Anderson related limericks why did we do that we were um, only asking for trouble weren't we we made up one at the end didn't we yes anyway Aaron got in touch to say hi Jamie and Richard first of all I'm really enjoying the podcast and can't thank you both enough for helping us homeworkers through our working days I'm a lifelong fan and enjoy catching up on all things Anderson related as much if not more than I did when I was younger it's been a tough year but revisiting these classic shows is a great antidote after listening to pod 136 says Aaron and hearing your brief post-credit discussion regarding limericks I couldn't resist turning my hand to a few I wonder he says whether this could lead to a little listener project if enough good quality poems or limericks are sent in possibly like those in the attached document maybe a little collection could be put together into a book and sold on the website i know it's something i'd be interested in i can't be the only one can i well yeah, you say that you might anyway, be. Uh, yeah he continues anyway keep up the great entertainment i'm looking forward to seeing where all things anderson go throughout the year and can't wait for us all to be meeting up and celebrating jerry's legacy in 
person. Yes, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? And he has, as promised, sent us some limericks. Now, I've got a few here from both Aaron and other listeners too. So I, I, what I might do is actually sprinkle these throughout the podcast. How's that? But here's a couple from Aaron. Firstly, a Tracy family limerick. There once was a family named Tracy, whose island was their top secret basey. <clears throat> they have an agent named Parker, whose background is darker, and occasionally likes to dress up in lacy. <laughs> it's a podcast limerick here, which he says is purely tongue-in-cheek. There was a podcaster named Jamie, whose content was enjoyable, but samey. <laughs> and for his co-host, Mr. James, and his space precinct claims, I got bored. You can't really blame me. <laughs> oh, that's a bit of a stinger, isn't it? Ouch. Yeah, here's a hood limerick for you. There lives an evil villain named The Hood. Thunderbird's secrets he'd steal if he could. In his quest we are embroiled, but his plans they are foiled, and all turns out for the good. Oh, nice. Yeah, finally, a Troy Temperist limerick. Our subject for this limerick is Troy. To the ladies, he's a handsome playboy with his smooth, dulcet tones and his sidekick named Phones. He surely is the real McCoy. Ah, it's nice, isn't it? Lovely. That's very nice. Yeah. Now, I, I'm slightly conservative. So I'm just going to flag this right now. I did see a slightly uh, blue... Yes. Limerick, right. turn up. Did you? I'm hoping that's not on your list there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I have pre-read all of these limericks and Phew. made certain that they are suitable for broadcast. Excellent. Well done. I'm very pleased to hear it. Uh, uh, now, nice. on a similar theme, uh, Martin Laybourne got in touch to say, hello, chaps, a limerick for you. Uh, <laughs> he says, their names are Richard and Jamie. Their podcasts are becoming samey. I oh. mean, there's a theme developing oh, here. <laughs> it's been over two years. I've become bored to tears. A change I need. Can you blame me? <laughs> Now, Hang on, these are supposed to yes. be Jerry Anderson limericks, yes. not, not slag off the podcast limericks. And also, this is from Martin Laybourne, and I'm pretty sure we sent him a Christmas jumper. I think you're that's, right. That's how he repays us. Wow. <laughs> he says, no, not really, all in good fun. A great interview with Catherine Shelley says, she appeared in Howard's Way, don't you know? Oh, well, we do now. There we are. That, I think that's all for now, but, uh, well, rest assured, I've got at least... Eight or nine other limericks to uh, come back to later in the Eight podcast. Eight or nine? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, anyway, oh, please don't send in crows. any more. I think after this episode, that, that'll do for now. But if you have any other questions, comments or reviews or anything else you'd like to uh, mention on the podcast, do send them into podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk and I'll, I'll read them out next time. No more limericks, please. Yeah, that's fine. We're done. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, move swiftly on from all things limericky to... Yes. ...the Jerry Anderson News. Hooray! So, Richard, this is the Jerry Anson News. What do you say? Newsy news, news, news. <laughs> Great Doppler effect there. And we start this week with... Uh, yes, it's the Jerry Anson News. And let's start off with some very good news for Super Mario Nation fans who might be looking for, well, I don't know, a special deal on some physical media, by which I mean DVDs and Blu-rays, oh. to celebrate Supercar's 60th anniversary, which we'll be coming on to just in a moment. Network are holding a special 30% off Super Mario Nation sale, so if you want to grab Supercar the Complete Series or Fireball XL5 the Complete Series... Or, oh, I don't know, Captain Scarlet on Blu-ray, or Joe 90 on Blu-ray, or the film of Super Mario Nation documentary, or The Secret Service on DVD, and some others too, then head over to networkonair.com and grab yourself those. The sale ends 
tomorrow. That's Tuesday, the day after release. So if it's after that date, then um, you missed it. Sorry about that. Now, it is Supercar's 60th anniversary, or was just gone on the 28th of January. To celebrate, mm-hmm. uh, we've released a very special super limited edition treasury box set containing a newly recovered DVD box set. Exciting. And a supercar badge and pilot's license, which are replicas of the 1960s versions, including the slightly weird spacing on the badge backer. Oh, good. You'll have to go look at the product page to see more there. And also some newly commissioned art cards from Lee Sullivan and Tim Keeble. So there are only 300 of those worldwide. Uh, go along to shop.jerryanson.co.uk and just search treasury or supercar and uh, you will find it right there. Oh yeah. Uh, if you just want to read a bit about supercar, then may I strongly suggest you have a read of Austin Tate's supercar article on the Jerry Anson website. That's just jerryanson.co.uk. There, Austin charts his experiences of supercar as a child, why he fell in love with it and why he still loves it today. Mm. If you are listening on the day of release that's a Monday, then you may want to grab what's left in the the final Farewell Friday clearance event. So for every Friday for the last, well, I don't know, couple of months, we've been um, removing old stock and uh, bringing certain lines to a close on the Jerry Anderson store. The last ever edition, for now at least, of Farewell Friday is coming to a close tonight. That's uh, midnight on the 1st of February. 2021 in case you happen to be listening in the far-flung future mm-hmm. so go and grab things there because anything that's listed in the farewell friday collection is uh, soon to get the chop over on youtube of course we've got even more of the century 21 tech talks the latest edition is out now with one more coming this saturday we must be coming towards the end of this series but don't worry there's already a series three recorded it's in the can and there's more coming for that later in this year uh, and finally I don't know, I feel like recommending another podcast, although it's one that's quite close to home. Yep. Uh, if you enjoy Christelle's randomizers, and whether you've listened from the very beginning of this podcast or not, then you can enjoy the randomizers as a standalone podcast uh, if you just search the Jerry Anderson randomizer on your podcast app of choice. I'm sure Christelle, who's still uh, lounging over there, will be very grateful if you would subscribe and give him a listen. And I think that's probably about it for this week's Jerry Anderson News. That was the news. That was the news. Lovely. Thank you very that much. That really was the news. Yeah, no, you're right. I, mean, I guess that explains... I finally realised why you see yeah. that now. It's taken <laughs> me... Because that literally was the news. 137 yeah. versions of that up until now, and now I've got it. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Good. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm only here to help. Uh, nothing less is what I expect. Now, I don't yeah. know what I was saying there. Uh, have you got more limericks? I'm, I think it's the anticipation of more limericks that's um, <laughs> messing with my brain. You really, really want more limericks. All right. Uh, now, Gary Hodgkinson got in touch and says, uh, Hi, Fab Trio. Saves the argument, lol, he says. Here's an Anderson limerick. Once a young lady named Marina needed a pee where no one would see her. In the sea she would go, and no one would ever know why the sea was just a little bit greener. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Thank you, Gary. I mean, I'm a big fan of toilet humour, so that works for me. (laughs) Alex Pass has sent us a few. He says, there once was a lad, Alan Tracy, who liked rescues that were a little bit spacey. He went off to the swinging star, but his ride home was a bit far, so down he fell and was heard then to tell, oh my, that dream, it was racy. Oh. He also says, there's a lad called Joe. Jamie wishes would just go to some place far away and there forever to stay. Sorry, Jamie, but the answer is no. Fair enough. All right. I know where I stand now. Paul got in touch. There once was an Officer Orin whose character arc was quite boring. <laughs> boring, I think that should be. 
<laughs> With eye holes quite wide, the actor inside was often heard yawning and snoring. Nice. <laughs> you have to use your imagination a little bit there. And uh, finally, for now, he's got one about the podcast. It began... Oh, no, this is rather for you, Jamie. It began with Jerry Anderson, but the name Anderson carries on. The torch lies with Jamie, and though with less fame, he is loved an Anderson's son. Oh, that's nice. If a little forced. (laughs) So there we are. I'm afraid to say there's plenty more coming up a little bit later. Uh, All of them clean, none of them rude. Oh, thank goodness for that. I'm just currently penning a limerick to introduce our podcast guest. Have you got well, any more you emails while I do that? Yeah, well, I don't have an email for that, but what I will do is just remind our lovely Podstrons listeners at home, best thing they could possibly do for us is to subscribe to us on whichever platform they're listening to us on and leave us a nice little review and a rating to let the world know what you think of the podcast. And also, you can copy that link, post it on all your social medias, your Facebooks, your Twitters and your Instagrams and try and encourage other people to listen to because they might join in and they might like it. All of that to do while Jamie it's fine. Is limerick. Okay. How are you doing? Right. I promise mm-hmm. you I've just done this, which is why it's so terrible. Go on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <clears throat> <laughs> yes. I've just had to change the tense of one bit, so it might not work. We're about to have a guest named Steve Critchlow. Right. A theatrical and telly fellow. Mm. As a fan of Great Jerry, his chat with me is quite merry, but for a thespian... He's surprisingly mellow. <laughs> I mean, oh come don't on! Bring us. Come we'll on, bring you. give me yeah. a smiley face okay. at least, a, uh, s- okay. a smiley yeah. potato well face. Well done, Jamie. We were Th- very impressed. Thank you. Anyway, Steve Critchlow is a, a television and theatre actor of some note, and mm. thoroughly nice fellow. And we had a rather lovely chat about everything Jerry Anderson, and uh, he's quite the fan of the live-action shows. It turns out, as you're about to Ooh. find out too. And uh, I promise I'll never do a limerick ever again. Here he is. Oh, good. Hello, my name is Stephen Critchlow, and I'm an actor. In the spirit of sticking with with cult TV and Doctor Who, let's jump in Tom Baker's TARDIS. Oh, brilliant. I'd love to. And go back to your earliest Anderson experience. So you've mentioned the kind of the schoolyard stuff and the impersonations and uh, knowing Scarlet and Stinger a bit. What do you think your earliest Jerry Anderson experience was viewing-wise? I think it might be Christmas Day, and this I think they did two Thunderbirds films. And uh, I remember seeing that when I was really little and being not quite to work out why the hands were different when they close <laughs> up on the hands. Trying to work out, in my infantile mind, why the hands were suddenly human yes. and, the, and the rest were puppets, and really wanting a puppet. I, I don't remember, I remember which one of. Mm. And I think that's what got me hooked on the rest of the series because there's such a, a broad church of stuff. There's such an enormous amount of stuff that out there that he did. Right from, I think, did he do a Western first or Four Feathers Falls or something? Four Feathers Falls, yeah. yeah. Which was like a, a Western in the 50s. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, out, came out in 59. Nicholas yeah. Parsons as Tex Tucker. Oh, wow. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Does any of it survive? Yes, all of Four Feather Falls survives, would you but believe? you can get it on DVD, can you? You can. I'll tell you what, I'll send you a complete set of Four Feather Falls after this. How's oh, that? Oh, brilliant. You'll wish, thank you. You'll wish you'd never you. mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah. but it's interesting though that you're you instantly go to the the puppets and the human hands thing. I mean, I never got over the human hands thing. I know why they did it, but I, I'm not sure yeah. it, it broke the illusion so much. But so many people, when they mention Thunderbirds in particular, the first thing they'll go to is, "Oh, the vehicles! Oh, Thunderbird two! Oh, the explosions!" Yeah. Yeah. You're the thing that got you hooked was the puppets. I think it was it was also the fact that it was very American. Ah, was, okay, uh, the music was very Felt loud. Big. It was big. It was colourful. And sci-fi in the early seventies, you had Doctor, you had the Tomorrow People, one or two other things, but. It was a bit reserved mm. compared to the American stuff like Star Trek. And yeah. it wasn't as big and brash. And mm. yet the Anderson stuff was. Yeah. It was very colourful and very fast moving. Mm. And the music was superb on it. I remember how catchy the songs were. People would be singing Stingray and uh, catchphrases. Yeah. You know, it was very exciting. Mm. And that's why it was so great when it, the humans started acting, when the actors came in and things like UFO. I don't know if there was an actor's thing before the UFO. I'm not sure. I don't know if that was the first one with real people in it. It was the first series. I mean, Do- Doppelganger, the film, The Journey to the Far Side of the Sun, came prior to that. And then The Secret Service, if you ever saw that. Yeah, so had, that's all with Father Stan Young some... with it, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. It had some wow. human elements. <laughs> that's a, a bit of a weird one, isn't it? It's a creative, wonderful creativity, you see, getting Stan Unwin to do a puppet thing about that. It's amazing. <laughs> Some would say creativity. Others would say madness. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, others still would say a complete commercial failure. Uh, I think all of them are probably true. Uh, <laughs> so so, so you had some awareness of Four Feather Falls. Things like Supercar and Fireball XL5, did they cross into a your viewing me, experience? Yeah, I was born in 66, so I was starting to watch stuff Start the seventies, really. Yeah. Oh, so you were perfect time to catch repeats of. Yeah, I was stuff. very lucky, really, with what, with what was around and mm. what what was repeated, because it was still some of it was still black and white. Mm. And you had wonderful ITC series like The Saint and Jason King and all that kind of stuff still being shown, and The Persuaders, you know. Yeah. So it was a very exciting time to watching television. And yeah. Saturday night, BBC had the Monopoly from about five o'clock with the. Pink Panther show and Basil Brush and Doctor Who and the Generation Game and all that. So it was, it was some wonderful telly going on then, you know. Mm. So and and that informed a lot of what I did afterwards and wanting to be an actor, I suppose, was watching things like Doctor Who. And I remember the giant maggots and you know, and the very first having to come home from parties to watch Doctor Who because I liked it so much. You know, <laughs> I would leave children's parties early. And sit cross-legged in front of the television. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, that that gives you your your official uh, geek uh, membership oh, card yeah. oh, by am. doing that. Definitely. That's that's quite something. And you do. You, it's a little bit like I don't know. Um, like you've got a secret passion, or like you're an alcoholic, and you and the, like Dan Starkey who's a mate of mine. You know, you kind of work out who are the ones you'll get on with. You you throw a Doctor Who reference in, and if they catch it and go with it, you kind of know where you are. You know, really. Yeah, yeah. It it does. It sort of um, you're subtly outing yourself by mm. by letting others know that you're in on these things. And are you like that? I mean, have you always been like that, or is it because of your background that you have to be like that, or do you think you you naturally gravitate towards um, geeky television? Perhaps I, I naturally gravitate towards. It. I mean, uh, it's it's no secret. Unfortunately, that uh, I, I'm a massive classic Doctor Who fan, and I, that was my first love growing up. Can I was I surrounded ask you by questions? stuff. But... Can I, what's your favourite story, Doctor Who story? Oh, but it's a really obvious and that... an easy one. It's Genesis of the Daleks. Still, oh, 
even now it, and yeah. it's, it's you know it's, it's amazing it's a masterpiece without a shadow of a doubt yeah, uh, yeah just just so much to love about it and you know i <laughs> so we're definitely straying off topic but quite rightly so when i was i think three i got the day of the daleks the john pertwee story yeah the book on vhs oh right yeah uh, and then I fell in love with that and watched it to death. And so mum bought me Sontaran Experiment, Genesis of the Daleks box yeah. set. Yes, yes. And, and had... that that was it. I was I was hooked then. And it was yeah. a different actor. And But that yeah. was very upsetting for dad, obviously. You know, he's the creator of <laughs> so many series that were throughout Doctor Who's runs, really the, you know, the thing it was up against. It was, you know, your ITV household or a BBC household. So you really gone to the other camp then? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's... There's a documentary called uh, 30 Years in the TARDIS and uh, Dad and I were invited to do that and he said, the greatest tragedy of my life is that my son is a Doctor Who fan. So there you go. You can't help it, you know. It just sucks you in. It's, you know, it's, yeah, but- it's a, it was the greatest series. But so does the Anderson stuff, and, oh, I, and oh, I, I grew up with uh, with Terrorhawks. Terrorhawks had just been made, so so Terrorhawks was my kind of introduction to the world of Anderson, right. and, and then Thunderbirds being repeated in the nineties. But I mean, I didn't think, see things like Space nineteen ninety nine and UFO until much much later. I'm guessing that space I in particular. I remember seeing. I remember seeing the first episode, and then going to school, and just everybody buzzing. I mean, the, the schoolyard was buzzing. That's awesome. It, because you were greedy for more science fiction there wasn't yeah. a great deal of it about and what it was that was about was it there was an episode where and you'll know it of course is that where there's an italian actor and he's having a seance and it's a, there seems to be a kind of um a laboratory full of plants and there's mm. a sitar music playing in it and he splits into two and one of it the other part of him is sort of deformed in it and that scared the living daylights out. It was the use of the music and the sitar. And the I was a big monster fan. I love kind of big monsters like yeah. you know, the sea devils and and whatever. So that was a, I remember being really terrified by that. Yeah, I think that's the troubled spirit, I think. That's right. I just watch it every single week and then collect the um, the action figures when they came out. Mm. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, and, I, and that was why it was so nice. And then, latterly, I found the videos, and then I started watching the videos. And then when they got really frayed, and people at home saying, you're a grown man, why are you watching three hours of Martin Landau with a wig on, you know, chasing people? You know, you're 45, will you please stop it? And then it came out on Horror Channel, which was terrific. So you can kind of binge watch. So, so you, I think that was my theory. Yeah. yeah, you've never left it behind. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't. And I would still, I love those things like the Owen Allen time tunnel and Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, because I suppose that you get a nostalgic buzz when things were, you know, simple. And all you had to worry about was when you could watch it again. Mm. And, you, and if your friends had seen it, you know, so it was, it was, which is why it's lovely doing those big finish things, because I'm like a kid in a toy shop. You go, oh my God, there's Peter Davison, there's Tom Baker, there's, yeah. you know, and there's, Fraser Hines, you know, it's just, and you're in them. I mean, it's the biggest buzz ever. <laughs> and I it's... tried to sit on my hands and not gush. But you never <laughs> sound like a nutter in the room with them, you know? I sympathise. And Richard James, my co-host on this this podcast, uh, I'm sure he won't mind me dropping him in it. Uh, I cast him in a, in a Peter Davison big finish, and uh, Richard's favourite doctor is, is Peter Davison. And to get through the recording... He basically pretended that he didn't know Doctor Who really. And yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he kept making these, you know, they were talking about the master and, and Anthony Ainley 
and uh, and Richard was going, um, oh yes, uh, uh, Anthony Ainley, didn't he play one of the doctors or something? Yeah, you know, pretend he knows full well, but because he was so excited, he had to keep this sort of pretense of uh, professionalism. Got Duggery with that, if you know it and you're a real fan, because yeah. if you let out too much, if you go, I think you'll find that was episode six. <laughs> <laughs> then they're going to throw you out and they get nervous because they're actors, you know, they're people, yeah. they've done other things and they don't really want to be known. So, yes, you have to walk a very difficult path through it if you like it so much. Yeah. And let a bit slip out every now and again. A bit of enthusiasm is, yeah. is fine to yeah. leak out from once from it's interesting from time to time. I knew I was a fan. He did. He could just tell by the glint in my eye. Mm. And we took some really nice shots at the end with just him and me. It was Simon Barnard, I think, was directing it. And he took some pics. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you have to trump me every single time. <laughs> it just so happened that I've got it on a mug next it's to like me. I mean, that's when you're a kid and he's got every single bug's <laughs> figure of it. But yeah, no, and you've got a mug of it as well. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, it was I'm a Christmas present. Them, you know? It's wonderful. He's still doing the. Um, the, the series yeah and he's still very much much him i mean that's that's one of the the sadnesses actually is that there, uh, there hasn't been that much potential to do that much anderson stuff although that we are doing we are doing more of it and and big finish have done space 1999 yeah, and there's other things in it. Ah, yeah. the new koenig i was yes indeed i was at the national with him and also i was on the radio rep with him i know mark very well he's a great bloke yeah 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 no it will he's I, I think he does lots of stuff for him um, so yeah, Emma did uh, new Captain Scarlet for Dad in two thousand and five. Yeah, no, she's great. I've done a lot with her. Yeah, it's a very small world. Post Space nineteen ninety nine though, did did you leave behind the worlds of Anderson? I mean, did things like Terror Hawks and Dick Spanner and Space Precinct cross in? You see, I remember mm. it happening, but I must have been in my late teens by then, I suppose. Yeah. So no, I wasn't. I was. I wasn't watching it then, but I'm very much a nostalgist. So if anything. If anything from my past would have come on, I would have watched it, and I kept mm. watching it through. But you sort of forget how much he actually did. Like, he did The Protectors, didn't he? <laughs> yes. Which is another one of my... So that's a, a kind of crossbreed between ITC, the sort of Lou Grades company, mm. and Jerry Anderson, isn't it, really? It is, yeah. I would yeah. just put that in, in the kind of department of the of Jason King and the Saint and yeah. that. But it's also your dad was involved. It is. I mean, it was presented to him very much as a kind of, this is the format, this is what's happening, just go and produce it. So he had virtually no creative influence over it, certainly no casting right. influence. But it still is an, it's an Anderson show. It just, yeah. it just feels different. But you see faces uh, you recognise, you know, Shane Rimmer, yeah. you know, Scott Tracy yeah. crops up, Ed Bishop crops up. Yeah, yeah. And I love that era because it always started off with stock footage of Tangier's airport. And then they'd all <laughs> then they'd film it in Elstree or somewhere like that. Yeah. With always the same people in it. You know, yeah. Warren Mitchell was always in a few of them. And probably, yeah. I mean, there's people, there cropped up people doing the rounds. Marks, you know, the same faces. It's wonderful, that yeah. era. Yeah. I kind of know where I am with that, really. Yeah. Well, again, it's the warm embrace of nostalgia, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, you, you alluded to the fact earlier that that watching these shows, you know probably has some influence in, in you getting into acting. I mean, can you pin that down to particular characters or elements about it or things that excited you about the idea of it? Or did it, did it just push you into a creative world that there was no other option? I suppose being an only child, and I'm from a town called Mansfield, which is a mining town. Yeah, I know it. My dad was a, a coal miner and I was very shy and I had a stammer. And there was a youth theatre on a Saturday. My mum had looked in the local paper and said, why don't you go there while we're shopping? And, and I went there, and I fell in love with it. And then, and I was about 11. And then when I left school, all the pits were shutting, and I didn't want to be a miner anyway. And 
I thought, could I possibly think of this as a career? And I, yeah. And so that's, yeah, I should have done that really. And so, <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, so that was, yes. And I was very lucky to, uh, to, to go to a place called Newark College. And then I went to Mountview Drama School in London. And then 30 years on from that, I'm still getting away with it, as they say, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> and during lockdown, I've been I've built a little tiny cupboard in my coat. I mean, studio in my coat cupboard. It's tiny. Nice. And I've been doing recordings. And I went into town two days ago to do a radio play, which is my my first love is radio, I think, mm. as a performer. Yeah. And I was very lucky to go on the radio rep five times and do so many different radio productions. And it's such a, a civilized way of working. And it's an, it's an unpressured, gentle way of I don't know if you've ever been in any. I know you produce some, but mm. there's a lovely, gentle atmosphere. It's relaxed, and um... yeah. Well, no, I, I'm very much a fan of those because because there's so you're so free because uh, you know what will be later conveyed by sound effects and sound design, and music, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm a big fan of keeping those light, fun. Yeah. You know, everybody has a laugh. There's a great sense of camaraderie. There has to be the right atmosphere in the room. And I am, I, I think you can, you, you can, what's the point of not having fun? And it should be a joy. Yes. Otherwise, why do it? You know, exactly. I mean, we're, you know, we're all very lucky doing this sort of stuff. Uh, we're not, yeah. you know, in a biscuit yeah. factory putting biscuits into tins know, or, or whatever I else. I, I do realize lucky. that. And it's, it's, it's so nice to still be able to do it even during lockdown. So let's credit Anderson stuff and Doctor Who with, with you having your profession. So definitely Anderson stuff. I mean, I, we are going on about Doctor Who. <laughs> Because we both love it. But, I mean, equally, Space 1999 was up there. I mean, it was a close number two. But only by dint of the fact that Doc, I, I discovered Doctor Who earlier. Yeah. The Anderson stuff was very important, really. Quite Especially, right, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how do you go from being a, a fan of this stuff and thinking actually would be great. And, you know, obviously the, you, you've said you went to, was it Mount, Mount View, right? Mount Which View, is, yeah, is Mount, a, yeah. a, you know, a, a very popular one. We hear from a lot of people who train there. So that's clearly, you know, you must have had some, uh, some yeah. good classmates and uh, yeah. uh, people who were there around the same time as well, you. Well, the year below me was Nick Moran, who did Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Yeah. And Dougie Henschel was the year above me, who does Shetland, his Scottish actor. Mm. Yeah. We had some good, yeah, it was a good time. But, you know, you're 18 and yeah. suddenly you, you come you come to London for the first time. It's amazing. Mm. And Mountview was a good school, but it was like a big youth club. We were all the same age. <laughs> I mean, we were just interested in having a good time, really, uh, until we left. And then we realised, oh, my God, we're going to have to earn a living at it. How do we do that? And some, mm. with me, it happened fairly slowly. I mean, I did some profit shares in pubs and then... I went back to Mansfield to a pantomime and met a guy and I, I taught Shakespeare for three years, one of which was with Paul Darrow. Um, <laughs> another, yeah. another cult TV name there. Indeed, yeah. Uh, we did Macbeth on tour for a year with Paul Darrow. And um, and then I was I did a, a Shakespeare play directed by Peter Hall and it was on tour and I invited people from the radio drama company to see it. Hmm. And the person who ran the drama company and I got a workshop out of that and a year's work. And that's when I knew I'd be all right, oddly enough, because I had 12 months of work on the radio. And all of a sudden, from living hand to mouth, I had a very long contract. And I think that's what's kept me alive are the long contracts I've had throughout my career. Because then I went on to be on it another four times each for a year. Yeah. And the first month I was there, 
I worked with Rod Steiger, Dirk Bogard, and Harold Pinter. And the shock to the system of one minute you're with Paul Darrow and Jack Smethurst from Love Thy Neighbour on tour, and the next minute you're working with those, you learn how to work with people and how to take notes quickly. And mm -hmm. I loved it. And then I realised that I was going to be all right for a bit. So that was what happened, really. With nice. Well, yeah. that, that's quite, it that seems like quite a, a nice flowing way to it. Because, you know, actually, before we spoke, I was speaking to Catherine Shell, uh, Maya, well, Space 1999. Yeah. City and, of Death. Yes, yes. Yeah. I asked her about City of Death and she said, well, it was different. I can't remember it. So uh, oh, there you go. Right. But for her, you know, she she her first major role was a disaster. She hated it and she almost gave up. And there were a couple of years where she didn't really do much work. And she's not, still acting, isn't she? She was in something recently. Well, she did, she did Dracula for Mark mm -hmm. Gatiss and Stephen Moffat, but she but she's really she is retired, really. She doesn't do a, do much uh, now. Mm -hmm. But for her, it was real, really kind of staggered, and she had highs and lows. And she did go with the flow, but it, it didn't. I'm not saying it came easily to you, but it sounds like it was a bit more she of had a, a tremendous career through these. I mean, she's in the Pink Panther film, isn't she? I mean, Return she, the Pink Panther um, and the Persuaders, yeah. Return the Saint. I mean, she's, oh, she's a yeah, lot yeah. of cult yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But for me, um, there was a gradual trajectory, but there mm. wasn't really a fallow period after mm. that because of the radio. So every three years, I went back and did a year, and they asked me, which was great. And yeah. I just loved the variety that one day you'd be working with, a, you'd do like three plays a week and you'd have three different casts, three different directors and three different types of production, a comedy, <laughs> anything. You know, you do stuff in front of an audience, you go on location. It was tremendous. Yeah. I owe them a lot and they're still keeping me alive today. I've done five this year. So it's wow. brilliant. Yeah. Okay. And just broadly speaking across your career to date, then what, what, what highlights can you throw in that may or may not be cult TV related? They could be anything, but where might well, people have spotted you? I would say I did a, a tour in 2005 of Round the Horn Revisited, and I'm a big radio comedy fan from the 60s and 50s, like Hancock, The Goons, and Round the Horn, which was a comedy series on radio for that Kenneth Horn, Kenneth Williams, Betty Mars, and Hugh Paddock. And it ran for about three years and was written by Barry Took and Marty Feldman. And it was very rude. It was very risque. Mm. And we did it on tour. And I played Kenneth Horn, the lead. And so I knew this series since I was a kid. And I used to record things from the radio, pressing my, my, my old recorder right next to the radio and, and recording radio comedies. So I knew them all before I, I even had the audition. And I did that for a year and a half. And I think that would be my favourite thing on stage. Mm. One of my favourite things on the radio was last year I did for Audible The Sandman, which oh, is yes. a with graphic Dirk. novel. And with Dirk, yeah. Yeah, lovely Dirk. I love Dirk today. And um, I played Roderick Burgess, the guy who sums up sleep. He thinks he's summoning up death, but he gets sleep by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, which, uh, which was great. And that was James McAvoy. And yeah. we all did, we did that at Farringdon for Audible, and James McAvoy did it down the line from the state. And that, I really enjoyed. That was a good part. But I've done, uh, there's so many parts on the radio that I've loved, I couldn't begin to mm. pin a favourite on it. In terms of television, I suppose I liked doing the, the um, Red Dwarf because I played yeah. a, space, a spaceship captain who was bioprinted for each mission, like an enormous 1980s photocopier. Yeah. 
but the copy of jams. So my face ends up on my fore on the top of my head. So they made a prosthetic <laughs> face, my own face, and put that on me so that my face was on my head. And I wanted to buy it off them at the end. Yeah. And they said, yeah. no, we might want to sell it in auction. So I, wow. I, I had no control over my own face. <laughs> I thought if I, I could rob a bank, because it would be the classic double bluff, wouldn't it? It would be a mask of your own face. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was great fun. And that was in front of an audience as well. And, mm. and to work with Craig Charles and, and uh, Chris Barry and everything that, you know, it was, yeah. it was wonderful. They're all massive Anderson fans, by the way, as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, there, there must be still millions, millions. I mean, oh, yeah. because it's still very prevalent. It's on television all the time. It is. It is, yeah, which is really, really lovely to see. You bring me to a slightly challenging question for you here. Mm-hmm. So if we could take you in the TARDIS now, as you are with your, uh, with your acting experience, yeah. and pop you back, and you could take any role in any Anderson project. Oh, my God. In any... Really? Yeah. Which, who would I be? Yeah. Which character would you be? Who would you replace? Can I please be Commander Koenig? I knew you'd say that. <laughs> Wait, do you want to play him? No. Have you got that one? I'm not an actor. I'll right. tell you that for nothing. Because he's so kind of... And I don't want to sound wrong, but he's straight. He's kind mm. of... He's, he leads from the front. Yeah. And he's the kind of... The strength. He's the kind of quiet strength of it. Mm. What everyone's running around like headless chickens and Tony Anholtz got his own brew, his own beer with, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and they've all got little quirks. He's the one, he plays it like a leading man. And yeah. I, I've not, if I didn't regret, I'd never get many leading men's parts. I get the character parts, which are terrific and I'm not moaning, but it would be nice to be the straight one. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah. And he did it so well. And I remembered him from Mission Impossible, of course, and, mm. and other things, but, uh, yeah, that would be greedy, wouldn't it? But no, um, no, it's all about that. You can have. I said you can have who you want, and you've made your choice there. I, I fancy the flares. I fancy the white flares. As there's well. nothing. There's nothing to stop you doing the flares now. You know. <laughs> what I do in the privacy of my own attic is my own. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing the photographic evidence of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And my my other challenge question to you is now knowing that you've been watching the shows on on horror and forces and that sort of thing. Yeah. From today, you're only allowed to watch one Anderson series for the rest of your time oh on this God, earth. Oh, my tough, aren't you? Yeah, I am, I'm a cruel uh, mistress. You are. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just that you can only watch that, but you're going to delete all of the others from existence so nobody else can watch them either. So the pressure's on you to make a good choice. What series do you leave from oh, going I, into the I've shredder? To, I've not, yes, and I've got to be true to myself because it's yeah. no point in, in saying... I'm only going to watch Joe 90 because, let's be honest, I'm 54. And I, 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 well, I might get bored. Nobody watches Joe 90. No. I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> so I would have to say, again, being boring, would you allow the protectors, even though it's a co-production? What? what? All right, all right. Space 1999 you, again. No, no. You want to keep the protectors over Space 1999, a UFO or Thunderbirds? I'm amazed. Why? Well, the thing is that I just like the series. In fact, no, the thing is, I, I chose all right. I chose Protectors because I've already mentioned Space Nine to Nine tonight. Yeah, and I thought you wanted it can be I the same one. Space Nine to Nine heavy. No, that's no, what, no. It can be. It can be entirely Space Nineteen Ninety Nine if that's how well, you feel. It, but it's going to have to be Space Nineteen Ninety Nine then, and I can sit with my action figures and watch it as well. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. 
All right, fine. Well, that's that then. Uh, Space 1999, second place to Protectors, which still amazes me. I, there can't yeah. be many people that would pick that out. Well, <laughs> I'm sure my wife will be thrilled <laughs> while I'm sitting in the living room, just as Commander Koenig, watching Space 1999 with my action figures. <laughs> I look forward to seeing that. That's definitely yes. something worth yes. seeing. See, this has been really, really brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. It's been fun. It's been really? fun. It's nice to finally meet you. And um, likewise, thank you and your family for such pleasure you've given millions of people. Well, over it's not, the, and it's not continuing to do so. Well, it's, yeah, maybe the continuing might be something to do with me, but the the prior oh, yes, stuff, of course, it is. Yeah. Is, is nothing. Yeah. So, uh, that, but good thank luck you with the rest of your projects, you know, and everything like this. Great that you're you're still working, keeping it going. Oh yeah, there's, there's loads of stuff going. So I, hopefully, if there's an opportunity for us to get you in for something, then we'll do that. Or that would be lovely. Yeah. Or keep you at home for something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be terrific, mate. Thank you, yeah. Uh, we had a lovely chat. What a nice man. And uh, I must say thank you to Stephen's missus, who sorted out oh, the yeah. Zoom connection. Uh, uh, not saying that he's yeah. technically inept at all, because he, he records for the Archers and all sorts of stuff from his special broom oh. cover, but he was on, with laptop for this one. So um, Yeah. Good. Anyway, next week, Richard James. Yes. We're going from the stars to the bottom of the sea. That's quite a trek, isn't it? It is, yeah. Especially yes. if you've only got one craft. Supercar would do it. Uh, oh, easily. But uh, no, next week, we're, we, it's the first of two parts talking to Kelvin Murray, who is... Um, who he? Well, a deep sea explorer, I think is fair to say. Oh. He's had an amazing oh. career. And I think I, during our chat, decided that he is basically the Scottish Troy Tempest. <laughs> Great. And so, I bet he'd never been called that before. He hadn't, although he was wearing a Stingray T-shirt. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, but I think he, he's taken that and he's owning that now. So, yeah. Calvin Murray next week, part one, part two the following week, and uh, lots more to come. So, uh, Great. how exciting. Yes. Thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah. look forward to that. Lovely. Uh, now, I know you're all dying to hear some more limericks that uh, lovely listeners have been uh, sending in over the past couple see, of weeks. I think you got the wrong preposition there. From, you're, rather than... You're dying from, from the limericks. yeah. <laughs> dying from hearing more limericks uh, go uh, on. here's just here's a final couple then uh, this is from Mark uh, when Stingray came back from its mission Atlanta she had her suspicion she said Troy you're all wet and you're covered in sweat oh uh, me and Marina were fishing <laughs> you, um, um, no comment on that one interesting thank you Joe Ninety's a fully grown man and his therapist now has a plan stay away from your dad tell Shane Weston he's mad you better go live with your gran. Now that's one I can sign up to. Classic. Nice. Uh, and over on our Facebook group, uh, aside from posting limericks, some of which are a little bit ruder than the ones I've read out today, Dave Lawson posted, I'm doing well this week, especially straight after part one of Catherine's interview. This is uh, Catherine Shell from a couple of weeks ago. He says, did she mention, or is that to come, that she was one of the only Bond girls to catch George Lazenby? When I last saw this movie, I didn't even realise. Now that's what I call a good reason to be part of the worlds of Gerry Anderson. Ah, so obviously in uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. And one of the only Bond girls to catch Bond. Angus Dusk says a few weeks back, someone, uh, I apologise, I've forgotten their name, wrote into the podcast about the fact that Thunderbird 1 rotates 90 degrees on the way to its launch pad. Well, says Angus, I've just watched Thunderbirds Argo and was keeping an eye out for it. Interestingly, in the film, Thunderbird 1 makes a 180 degree rotation during its descent to the launch bay and proceeds to launch in that orientation. I know they reshot the scene for film, 
but it's odd. In the TV series, it was rotated 90 degrees, but the film, they rotated it 180 degrees. Well, continuity in <laughs> in mid-century science fiction, I mean, yeah, what do you yeah. expect? <laughs> I mean, this this is the content that people are here for. Isn't it really it? Is. Uh, Mark, yeah, Mark Perkins says the ghost ship is the Stingray episode I can remember most clearly from when I first saw it as a six-year-old back in the sixties. Stunning model work and effects, which we can appreciate so much more now as it looks superb in colour on a big screen TV. All we need now, says Mark, is the Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, funny you should mention that. Anyway, oh, yeah. um, mm. what else have you got there? Well, over on Twitter, Lost in Transition says, first half of the podcast listened to on the way to work. Catherine Shell sounds delightful. What a really interesting early life. I'll get to the second half on the way home later. Ah, jolly good. Simon Drax says, great episode, thanks. Wish we could have heard more regarding first impressions of the Andersons and Guardian of Piri. But everything that Catherine says is fascinating. What a life. Ian Branch tweeted, I look forward to hearing this podcast. Also, looking forward to the character appearing in the new Space 1999 audios. Jamie? Uh, I don't know. We can't say anything. Nothing to do with me. Well, I mean, I'm mm. I'm uh, script consulting, yeah, but I'm not. Uh, okay. We're not that far in yet. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm and, sure at uh, some point she'll appear. Interesting. Finally, I mean, how would shape shifting work on audio? You'd have a squelching noise, wouldn't you? Right, easy fix. <laughs> there we are. And uh, finally, on Twitter, uh, Twitter user Ein Crespo One tweeted, uh, "Enjoyed the interview with Catherine Shell." cracked up on her story about the dirty ears ah uh, yes uh, yes i mean so if you don't know what they're talking about funny. <laughs> yes take a listen to the first part of the Catherine shell interview from a few weeks back all for now but don't forget you can hashtag us jerry anderson podcast you can tag me richard and james him i'm jamie anderson and him over there or oh, just stretching out and kicking off his slippers chris dalek i think he's getting bored waiting for us but that's fine yes, because it's be. time chris Yes. So put your slippers back on, unless you're always oh, changing into walking boots. I don't know if he needs those to walk oh. over to the randomizer, but clearly he believes he does. Mm, fair enough. Yeah. Chris Dale is here. He's the, the king of the randomizer, lord of randomization. He really is. Emperor of of, of ra- Randerson. Randomerson. <laughs> okay, stretching it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. Chris is here to watch a random episode of Jerry Anderson show, which will be chosen by the randomizer, and he's going to do that right now. How long? Five seconds. Now. We've done it. The door's opening. Beautiful. Well, let's see just how rich Spectrum are. Oh, thank goodness somebody finally found me. Useless. Junk. Oh, steady on. How was I to know what was inside? You work at the plant where the vault was made? It should have been checked out. Will you stop arguing? Yes, no need for arguments, chaps. I'm very grateful you let me out. Uh, I could ask you what you're doing here, though. Like you, we have our orders. Fair enough. I suppose there's any number of reasons three gentlemen like yourselves might force your way into the Second National Bank of New York. Are you insinuating I'm drunk? No, 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 no. Well, no. Let's get out of here. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Look, by way of saying thank you for letting me out of the vault, and we won't go into details about how I ended up in there, how about one of you press the button on the randomizer for me today? Uh, Kruger? Isn't that reasonable? Go on. Right. I think this is what you need. Ah, thank you. You see, it selects a random episode for me to watch, and then I have to talk about it. Very interesting, but it doesn't help us. Well, you never know. 
useless paper. Okay, Kruger, what have we got? A spectrum report on the Mysterons. Oh, what, again? Oh, I see. Yes, last week was the original Captain Scarlet, and this week, it's the new. It's uncanny. Here's Heist. So, last week it was the original Captain Scarlet, this week we are back with the new Captain Scarlet, the wonderful CGI series from 2005, and here we are on a army base, this chap's uh, taking a break. Everything seems alright, nice, um, nice purple sky out here tonight. Anybody there? I love the moths gathering under the street lamp as well, that's a nice touch. Hi, fella. Dougie! Oh, Mr. On Dougie! Oh, okay. Well, I hope that guy didn't need his throat. Oh, it's all right. Uh, he seems all right now. He's uh, got the old glowing green eyes, so obviously he's been killed and replaced. Gonna steal a plane. Vampire pilot, identify yourself. Oh, vampire pilot. Always the vampire jets that got stolen by the Mysterons. Lining up in front of the control tower. You do not have takeoff clearance. Aboard. Control tower guy's holding him back with his hand. Oh. <laughs> The hand is no good against missiles. Yep, those two control-towered guys are dead. Meanwhile, in a nice restaurant somewhere, Jerry Anderson is dining with uh, Dr. Kapalski from Mercury Falling and Colonel White. You look breathtaking, Victoria. Every man in here is jealous of me. You old charmer. A little less of the old, or I could change my mind about this. He's also got a dining companion for the evening. It's beautiful. So are you. Oh, oh Daddy. Thank you. Ah, it's the Colonel's daughter. It doesn't compensate for my absence, I'm afraid. You've become a young woman, Victoria. You're at university. Did you know that? I can tell you more things that you don't know about yourself. There hasn't been an hour in a day in all these years that I haven't thought of you and your mother. I know, Daddy. Whatever her name was. Meet when we can. I only wish your minders didn't have to come too. Oh. Even if Captain Scarlet is quite cute. Oh, I hate these babysitting duties. Scarlet and Destiny are minding them nearby. Nice restaurant set here. I mean, they should get some proper time together. Alone. I know. But to tell the truth, this is one duty I'd find kind of hard to dislike. Oh, there we go. Scarlet. We have a situation. Also around the restaurant, there's various other we have a priority background and guest characters you might recognise. There's a woman who looks a lot like the Wee Fit Trainer. We have to go. Can't it wait half an hour? What's going to happen, Daddy? The world isn't going to end. <laughs> I hope not. Oh dear. How is dinner? Delicious. How are the sandwiches? Great. Oh, I like that. Sure you don't want to take a cab. It's not far to walk. Blue's just been parked, apparently on top of the restaurant all this time with nothing to do. And your mother are the most important people in the world to me. That's why I do what I do. Why things have to be the way they are. Try to understand. I do, Daddy. Oh. So this is a nice uh, insight into the Colonel. It's something that um, the original series never touched on. But again, this is something the CGI show did quite a lot of, trying to flesh out the uh, the characters and their personal lives. And sometimes it it worked, and sometimes it didn't. This is one time I think it does work. The angels are on intercept course and should be in range in six minutes. The idea that the colonel has this wife and daughter that he basically never gets to see, because spectrum duties are always in the way. It's gotta be. Like right now, nice evening out with his daughter. 
all ruined because the Mistrons have uh, taken over a squadron of vampire jets. I've got it. Target locked. Its destination could be the nuclear plant. You must eliminate immediately. SIG. Oh no, it's not a squadron of vampires. It is just still the one. Target is still intact. Yeah, very well armed though. And it's nice as well, we've reached this point in the series where, although we're not seeing any of the other Angel pilots... He has missile lock on me! The model of Harmony that they're using in the the, the battle scene here is... It, you know, in the, the first episodes, the two-parter instrument of destruction, all the other Angels aside from Destiny were just bald women. Identical bald women. And now you can actually see Harmony's familiar red hair under the helmet. The plant in 30 seconds. You must take him out now. Then I'm taking no chances. Okay, girls, let him have it. Also nice to see Harmony in charge of the Angel Squadron. She was a almost a main character at this point in the series and then kind of dropped out of sight a bit when uh, Captain Oka came along. That's it. Target destroyed. Yay, well done. Oh. Scarlet smiling at Destiny, even though she had naff all to do with it. And Victoria is walking home across the bridge, all by herself. This looks very safe. Need a ride, my dear? No, I'm fine, thank you. Uh-oh. That's it. Two chaps have grabbed her on the bridge, stuffed her into the limo, and the limo's away. It's rather a nice touch as well, um, harkening back to the original series, that um, London seemed very sparsely populated there, to the extent where nobody really was around to notice her being kidnapped. But someone's noticed. Colonel White has an incoming message from... Oh, Charles! Diana, what's wrong? Yeah, ignoring the, uh, the Charles and Diana thing, um, this is a supremely cool moment. We don't know, well, we assume we know what the Colonel's been told, but we don't have to hear it. We just cut from his wife calling him up to this superbly cool moment of him getting on his, his raid bike and plunging off Skybase. And he's close up on his face. He's so grim and determined and, oh, he's very cool. And this is the kind of thing that I think fans of the original series wanted to believe that Colonel White was like all the time. You know, aside from you know, putting aside the fact that the original series Colonel White was a bit mad. I think we all wanted to believe that in a in times of crisis, he could, you know, he could get the job done just as well as anybody in here. Gone. Because it's CGI. We don't know. We get a chance to see it. Followed 0400, then took a raid bike. With no bodyguard? Not a word to anyone? What is going on? And once again, we have an episode where Lieutenant Green's console is flashing engineering emergency and nobody is paying any attention to it. Please, they said they would... Because engineering emergencies are a ten a penny on Skybase, apparently. It's nearly eight o'clock. We could miss EastEnders. Touch again at eight, yes? Whatever they want, whatever it is, Charles, we have to give it to them. Sir Charles Gray? You made it home, Colonel White. I want to know that my daughter is safe. No problem, Colonel. Daddy wants to say hello. A nice Jeremy Hitchin uh, baddie voice here. Daddy, help me, please. I'm not sure who it is who's playing Victoria. I'm going to guess it's Julia Brahms. First, you have to understand you have to stick to what I tell you. 
and you don't tell anyone, because we'll know if you do. Go on. At noon, there's an armored express train leaving for Paris. It's carrying one billion dollars in gold bullion. What has that to do with me? It's like a fortress moving at 200 miles an hour. Nothing can stop a train like that. Nothing except a Spectrum Rhino. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We'll take care of the gold. All you have to do is stop it. And you get your daughter back in one piece. Hmm. I... I can't. Don't make any rash. And some nice uh, background animation on uh, on Diana there. Just fretting quietly in the background. No dialogue needed. So meanwhile, Scarlet is going to have a look in the Colonel's quarters. Oh, he's got his own like, kitchen, kitchen area. I hadn't noticed that before. You have one message. Scarlet, I knew you would come looking for an answer. You have to do it, Charles. You won't be a criminal. You're saving our daughter's life. And what about other lives? I don't care about other lives. And interestingly, considering they've gone for the Charles Diana thing, um, Diana is is the same age as, as Colonel White, so she's not modelled on the White. on the uh, former Princess of Wales. Good. We'll be in touch. Oh 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 oh! It's on. Captain Black is there which we kind of suspected from hearing his voice in the back of the limo. Although, if you look in the back of the limo, I'm not sure who it is that we're supposed to see in, in that back seat. It almost doesn't look human. Anyway. Is Victoria okay? Scarlet and Blue? Kidnappers contacted us, as they said, at 0800. Have arrived at the Colonel's gazebo. This can be expected. We'll get her back, Colonel. This has to be entirely unofficial, you understand that? This has nothing to do with the Mistrons. You shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. And this grass needs cutting. Oh, gosh, yes, that grass does need cutting. Human race is in our hands, gentlemen. This is a lovely moment, though. We have our duty. But we don't fight this war to defend the human race. Colonel White, speech time! We fight to save our families and our friends. Without those we love, what sense is there in anything we do? Yeah, that was, again, a trope from the original series. Colonel White would often end episodes with a big speech. A bullion train with a right. Which the CGI one rarely did, but whenever he did, they were always usually very effective. All the time you have, gentlemen. That's it. Scarlet and Blue. Do we have anything to go on? Gotta track down the, uh, the baddies who've got Victoria. There's an armoured express train leaving for Paris. It's carrying one billion dollars in gold bullion. What has that to do with me? Oh. The colonel put a little homing device thingy on uh, houses, factories, on the call. Basements and Lord knows what. Blue's hooked it to his Spectratech. Lad in three hours with no Spectrum backup. Able to uh, have to. The colonel thinks the kidnappers are monitoring Greenslade Hall for communications, which means close the gap on them a little bit. Here somewhere, somewhere high. Which means they've got ears around here somewhere, somewhere high. And I love that this surveillance van that uh, one of the baddies is using, um, it looks a lot like the Mystery Machine from Scooby-Doo. It's the same colour blue, and it's got uh, a map of the world on it. Relax. He can't lose us. Ah, that's it. He's trying to lose them, though. <laughs> and straight into a tree.
But where did he go? Oh, blood. He won't get far. He's cut his finger. He won't get far. Still nothing from the surveillance vehicle? No. Maybe something's gone wrong. If it has, we adapt. You will ride with White. Make sure he does what he's supposed to. Now hold- I like the idea as well that Black has just hired um, ordinary human criminals to help him at times like this. No way am I going anywhere near a rhino. He doesn't necessarily need Mistron help. Eh, if Spectrum knows. That rhino must attack that train. But unfortunately for this guy, that's all about to change. Dead body. Oh, he said the magic words. Perfect. And here we go, here we go. Huh? Oh, I love this. What have you done? The show isn't over yet, my dear. Because the Victoria character is a bit of a drip, despite whoever's playing her, I think doing a really good job, particularly in this scene. But the horror she's having to, to witness here, first seeing this man get killed, then reconstructed before her eyes. And she's trying not to look, but as the body disintegrates and starts to reform, you can see she can't take her eyes off it. Oh, it's horrible. Of course, she's tied to the chair with nowhere to go. What are you? Oh, that's it. The baddie guy is now a Mr. On. Meanwhile, our uh, van driver with the bleeding finger is leaving a trail of blood for Scarlet and Blue to follow. We're now found him in a barn. For favor, pal. Throw the gun down. While Blue distracts him, Scarlet can jump on him. Careful, guys, he has got a, a bleeding finger. Oh, now he's got a sore tummy. Beautiful. And again, more Colonel White coolness, because at Greenslade Manor, where he lives, he's got a Spectrum Rhino underground, right at the gates, because of course he would. How long do you think it'll take her to get over you? What are you talking about? She's never gonna see you again. You know that. Not unless you tell us what we need to know. Where's Victoria? So Blue's shown this guy who's bleeding from the head, not the finger, by the way. We don't have time for this. I can't. I can't. Lifcon said he'd find anyone that talked. I like this character, actually. First, the strange voice. About that girl in the picture. If you want a planet for her to live on, you'd better talk fast. Yeah, Blue showed him a picture of a girl in his wallet, but she looked old enough to be his mum. As is often the case with uh, new Captain Scarlet characters, it's hard to tell. Um, especially when they've got grey hair, it's hard to tell what age they're supposed to be. Anyway, Colonel White has now met up with his Mr. On friend. Because now the plan is not to get the gold, the plan is just to discredit Colonel White. If he hadn't talked, we'd have no chance of finding Victoria. But I don't get it. What on earth does Black want with gold bullion? No, it's got nothing to do with gold. It's about bringing Colonel White down. Oh. Implicating him in the robbery will force him out of Spectrum. Did I? Oh, sorry, I got ahead of the plot there. I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that if I spoiled anything for you. They'll remove him. And Black knows that will weaken Spectrum. And blow a hole in Earth's defenses. It's time. So now Scarlet and Blue are heading into this, uh, oh. I was going to say it's a sewer. Oh, there are rats. 
I love seeing CGI animals in this show. The dog earlier looked really good. Now we have these little rats running around. And now we wait, not for long. And what if I decide not to? You won't. Oh, that's it. The rhino's parked on the bridge, waiting for the train. Time. Oh, lots of rats. Lots of rats. And here she is. These aren't just kidnappers. One of them killed the other and then... Scarlet and blue. Howdy-do. Uh, clever. Stow it, Adam. It's a hologram. He's got us on camera. Sorry I'm not with you in person, but I didn't expect the Colonel to play by the rules. And it doesn't really matter now. By this time, his fate's sealed. And so is yours. This place is rigged to blow. Come on. Are you hurt? No. She's not hurt, but she is um, kind of useless. <laughs> is she going to fall over? Oh, there she goes. Oh, dear. I'm not sure if that's me remembering or just assuming that this character is such a drip that uh, that's the sort of thing she would do. But, oh, racing away from the explosion. Get down. Oh, that is a supremely cool shot. I'm actually not sure where they were holding Victoria now. But there's no time to worry about that. We have this gorgeous shot of the train steaming towards the Rhino. I said fire the missiles. And a nice touch with this baddie character. Got her. Victoria. He's got one gold tooth. And speaking of gold, it's time for the Colonel to get out of the Rhino, plunge it off a cliff. It. So there's now no chance of the rhino hitting the train. The train might hit Colonel White. There he goes. Go. Oh, that is a an awesome, awesome shot there. I don't think the the animation on the Colonel is quite as fast as it should be, but it just missing the Colonel by like half an inch is very cool. Well, Mason, tell me, the test is negative. You've got your daughter back, not a Mr. On replicant. Ah, yes, of course, that would be the, uh, man the main worry in this case. Too much, Colonel. We'll have to put her down. I'm sorry you had to go through this, that you saw what you did. What happened to me, what I saw, it's all to do with your work, isn't it? Believe me, it's best if you don't question. Simply forget. Forget? It was horrible. Impossible. How can I forget? Well, we have magic. Just a sedative, Victoria. Amnesia treatment, apparently. Do you need to sleep? Now get her home, Colonel. When she wakes up in her own bed in the morning, she'll believe it was just a nightmare. Although there's nothing oh. you can do about the subconscious. Oh, it's not an amnesia treatment, then. The occasional bad dream. If only we were all so lucky. We're just going to do the whole security hazard thing and. and hope that she uh, writes it off as a dream. Hmm. Not sure how well that's going to work. But it does um, 
again address a point that I mentioned last week with how much the civilian population actually knows about the Mistrons and in this case with that scene it's clear that Victoria knows nothing about them so we can assume that the rest of the population knows nothing either. Anyway that was Heist and that's another very good episode of New Captain Scarlet. Not one of the absolute greats but it is nice to get more of a focus on the Colonel, more of a focus on the family life of a Spectrum member and uh, yeah some lovely really brutal moments of horror and that lovely stuff on the bridge with the train. Now, as Chris mentioned yes. last week, we are now mm. over 25% of the way through the randomizers. Yes. Did you raise your glass at tea time on Thursday? I absolutely did, yes. And I had Good. a small slice of coffee and walnut cake as well. Oh, my favourite. Courtesy of my rather lovely neighbours. So Lovely. Yes, they are very kind. Yes, New Captain Scarlet. Love a bit of a heist, which is, is good. Is it okay to say that I prefer New Captain Scarlet to original Captain Scarlet? <laughs> <laughs> is, I'll tell is that you a what. Eh? It's not just mm-hmm. okay, it's absolutely yeah. fine. Oh, okay. Good. Which Good. is probably about the same that's level as okay. It's just me. Yeah, well, th- yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? You know, yeah. you can enjoy or not enjoy any Anderson show, and that is absolutely fine. As long as you enjoy one, if you're here yes, because and as long you as hate all Space Anderson Reason. shows, and yeah, Space Reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, if you're here yeah. because you don't like Anderson shows, then I think we should probably seek some help. Why isn't there a podcast for people who hate all Jerry Anderson shows? I bet there is one. And it's called The Benji and Nick Show. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Don't plug those horrible No, lot. sorry. Sorry. Dear, oh dear. You know that you they made me be in their little audio drama thing they do. Oh, really? Oh, dear, oh dear, yes. Oh, I'll have to listen to that. Horrendously embarrassing. Because <laughs> I am not an actor, so, uh, oh, yeah. That's right, nor am I. Awful. Oh, yeah, you are, Dickie. Yeah. You're a very talented actor and writer Ooh. and podcaster Ooh. and many more things, too. All right. What do you uh, want? Go and get on with your work. I know you've got a project on the go. Get on with it. True, I have. Right, so Randomizer will be back next week with more Chris Dale, yep. with more Randomizer, with more Chris Dale and more yep. Randomizer. And um, yes. more random episodes of Jerry Anderson. In the meantime, have you got yeah. anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap no. this thing up? I'm out of steam. I'm out of puff. No farewell limericks? Not today, no. It's probably for the best, yeah. So, um, yes, it really I would is. just like to now say that there is a, a ban on emailing us with limericks. Very good. If you do email us a limerick, it won't you'll be read be shamed, out. And you'll be publicly. shamed. Unless it's very yes. good, and then we might do something with it, but probably not. Yeah, so yeah, please yeah. don't send them in. It's quite enough of that, and I promise in return I will never do another one myself. Thank heaven. All right, Richard, thank you very much. Please do send us anything but limericks to podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. We'll be mm-hmm. back next week with Kelvin Murray, our interviewee. More randomizer, more fab facts, more Jerry Anderson news, and more general guff from me, Richard James, and probably Chris Dale. Yeah. But until Pod 139, we bid you farewell. Bianto, um, Alfie Zane, yeah. adieu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. What him? Yeah, bye. Stage one complete. Let's go.
<laughs> I'm not sure all those multilingual uh, uh, au revoirs, well, goodbyes yeah. uh, were necessarily, were they? Well, uh, we, we have a very international audience. I think it was very uh, I think they're very, mostly English-speaking, though. Well. We should yeah, probably true. learn, not backslang, but um, no, some other way of, again. of saying goodbye, shouldn't we? All right. And hello. Or some other way of doing the entire podcast, perhaps. Yeah, how's your French? Klingon. Um, my Klingon's not fluent, unfortunately. So uh, I do know a bit of Klingon because, of course, I played a Klingon once. Yes, in, for Pizza Hut, wasn't it? That's right, yes. Gosh, I mean, you've had such a varied career. A human-sized oh, cigarette, a Klingon. Uh, yeah, Creon, podcast host. A podcast host. Mm. Uh, yes. Father. Downhill husband. since the 1990s. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. And uh, there's so, no way to stop that slippery slope now. Nope. Just embrace it. That's what I'm doing. Thanks. Enjoy the slippery slope. Goodbye. Bye. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.